Welcome to The Unseen Journey, a podcast dedicated to supporting veterans and their families as they navigate life after the military. We feature mental health experts, stories of resilience against invisible wounds and injuries, as well as practical tools for reacclimation. The Unseen Journey, brought to you by Operation Red Wings Foundation. And hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Unseen Journey. I'm your host, Guy, with my co-host, Ashley, as always. Hello. Today... We are going to have a conversation between Ashley and myself, and we're going to discuss some unseen elements from our lives. Yeah, so I don't even know where to start, Guy. No? Uh, Oh, gosh. Let's see. I asked the first question last time. I feel like maybe... uh, I'll take it. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. We had some good talks getting to know each other, right? We kind of jumped around like our careers a little bit, like Mm -hmm. life, some things we enjoy uh you know how, how do we want to pass away or whatever you know, it's just all like real serious stuff <laughs> pretty serious stuff we had some fun lighthearted things okay well yeah. let me ask you because something uh touched on you touched on how you had one of your mentors who really was there for you and got, uh, kind of yeah. got you started on your wellness journey mike and shout out my great job because that's often so pivotal i think that i'm a huge fan of peer support which we you know is a big part of operation red wings foundation's retreats you know each veterans being there for veterans because you know people we understand through our own journeys yeah um so now that you put in your own work and you're doing the work right how does that all align? Like, how did you cross that threshold of doing your work to then wanting to help other do the, others do their work? So one, so one cool part I like to do during the individual male retreats and in the couples retreats because it's 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 transferable, right? And so, by the way, real quick, if you are just joining us for the first time, do us a favor, reach down there, hit that like subscribe button. Ashley and I are coming at you every week, um, whether you're a veteran, uh, just. Uh, not a veteran, know someone in service, don't know anyone in service, it doesn't matter. We're talking about unseen journey, mental health, all those things behind the scenes. So one of the things I like to do with the individual retreats, couples retreats, is they, they get a notebook, right? Anyone who comes through RW Foundation, you get a little notebook. Mm-hmm. On the left-hand page, I'll have them write the question, like, who am I? And then in couples, it's just, you know, who are we, right? And then mm. the, the second page is, who do I want to be? And for couples, it's who do we want to be? Everyone, whether you've been in the military or not, right? We've we've been like, hey, Siri, hey, Alexa, I want to go to the grocery store or wherever. There's two pieces to that navigation. It's where you're at right now, and it's where you're trying to go, where you're trying to get to. So in terms of like, who am I? That was, that was a question that really shaped kind of a lot of my unseen journey. Um, because in looking at who am I, if, if, if you all... I have ever seen the movie or actually if you've seen the movie um american sniper the chris kyle story have you ever seen oh, that yeah. One? Mm-hmm. yeah and he tells the the psychologist psychiatrist whatever it was the mental health professional who says it's not about all the people i didn't kill it's about all the people i couldn't save right so <clears throat> i was really doing a lot of a lot of processing kind of thinking along those lines right not not in the exact frame mental frame that uh chris kyle was however my my mental frame was okay um who am i right and who do i want to be and at the time i was uh i was to put it simply in nice terms i was the dark cloud in the storm for my family right so the dark cloud in the storm usually has the heaviest thunder the heaviest lightning the heaviest rain mm. that was me that's what i was bringing home that's what i was handing everyone and I realized very quickly that I was handing all of my unseen burdens, mm-hmm. uh, my my depression, my anxiety, my PTSD, all those things, my um, unsure of, of even who I was as I was transitioning out of service and who I was mm-hmm. going to be, my identity, mm-hmm. right, to my kids and to my spouse, to my wife. And I did not want to do that. I did not want my kids and my wife, my family to have to carry my unseen burdens forward. And so that really allowed me to start to dig in deep and hard 
on who I wanted to be because I didn't want to be the dark cloud in the storm. I didn't want to pass my burdens off to other people to carry for me. Um, and so, so you I really, started seeing, yeah. you started seeing the unseen. I did. I did. Um, so one of the cool things we do, ORW Foundation, is we, we do these like little color tests, right? And so my primary color forward is green. And to put that in really simple terms for all our listeners, I like to really like dive deep and think a lot about stuff. Uh, however, usually it's like one thing at a time, right? And so um, one of my therapists at the time, uh, I'm just going to call him Dr. Barry. Uh, he's done a lot of work, uh, I think five or six years with ORW Foundation. I clicked with him a lot. Uh, he's done a lot of work on Fort Bragg, now Camp Liberty with special operations and some of the communities. And um, I was using him at the time for individual and couples therapy. And, you know, uh, one of the challenges he gave me was to really like, well, hey, have you even have you even asked your family like, like, what's up? Like, what are they thinking about? Like, what do they want to know? Have Ooh. you even started to open that, 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 uh, almost that defense, right? That armor to them. So I did, I took the challenge and, uh, like snapshot memory. We're in the garage of my last house in, uh, North Carolina. And it's my wife my daughter, my son, my daughter is 12. Now at the time she was, I want to say seven, maybe eight. Wow. And yep. And I said, Hey, I said, uh, any question you want to ask daddy fair game? Like this is about daddy starting to understand daddy's working on himself. And I just need to hear from you all. Like what, like, what do you, what do you want to know? What do you need to know? Right. And my daughter, like with all the bravery in the world, all the honesty and sincerity of a little child looks straight at daddy and goes, why is daddy always mad? Mm. Why, why am I always making daddy mad? Mm. And I don't cry about that anymore. Um, a lot, a lot of accelerated resolution therapy, a lot of ERD. Yeah. But Never have I ever been hit so hard by a question in my life. Truth bomb. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that like, if nothing else lit that light bulb of I am the dark cloud in the storm and I am handing my burdens off to my children, that did that, that made it very like tangible and real to me that, that she could see it, that yeah. we can, it's often unseen to us, but those around us, those who care about us, those who are with us, you know, all the time, yeah. they can, they can see it. And I don't know if we would ever listen until you get to that vulnerable point that you put yourself in. Yeah. You know, and you put yourself in that spot to, you know, open up and actually listen to someone yeah. else. And because, because, I mean, again, I give Barry so much credit. Um, and uh, retired mass sergeant Mike, I'm not going to say his last name, give him a lot of credit for starting me on my journey. Um, because that exercise was, was set up in a way to where my family was asking me questions. Mm -hmm. It didn't take me from that, like one to 10 rage bubble. Instead it did the opposite. It kept me completely disarmed and it allowed my brain to hear it. And then I could, I had something tangible I could go to work on. Right. I knew I had anger stuff going on um, just just to give some of the, you know, textbook examples. And I'll, and I'll raise my hand and say, these are all my examples. You know, I've 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 kicked in doors. I've put holes through walls. I've uh, yelled at my kids and wife to the point of just absolute tears. And it had zero of anything to do with anything they did or could have done or could not have done. And. I really had to sit back down and define, well, who am I? Right. Mm. Um, you know, and, and fast forward a lot of years of working with mental health experts, working with ORW foundation, formerly lone survivor foundation, really defining like, okay, well, I'm a dad. Um, I'm not someone who is going to hand off their burdens to my loved ones or my friends. Um, and starting to really define 
like what are all those pieces, right? Because I'm not a, I'm not a soldier anymore. I don't deploy. I'm not trying to be like hyper fit anymore. Um, those aren't the things that like that define you, right? Yeah. And that I carry forward. And so then it's like, okay, well, what do I want to be? Where am I going? Right? Like, I want to be a great dad. I want to be a great granddad. I want to I want to be a great husband. Like, there's all these things that I want to be. And so just like navigating, it allowed me to start to set up that, that roadmap, right? I could start to, to, to bring forward those unseen elements. I could start to work on all those things that kind of were really unhealthy at the time in my kit bag, weighing me down. I could start to slowly pull some of them out, lighten that load, and I could start moving forwards again. What a powerful thing. Thank God for your daughter, you know, for calling it out. Yeah. That's, that's such a, a powerful moment. She is, um, she's incredible. Um, she's going to be way better of a human than I am. And even her mom, uh, no offense to her mom and I, um, which I think from my perspective as a parent, like, like, I think that's what we all want, right? Like if we can help our kids just be one step better than we were and start off just one step ahead of where we started, I think we've succeeded as parents and knowing that like, yeah, that's, that's where a lot of that time and energy and resources has gone into me. That's also where Kelly and I put a lot of time, energy, resources into our kids. Right. So yeah, then sorry. how did yeah. it shift? I love, I lo I feel like my cause I'm like, we're so in the feels right now. Yeah. And so my dog is like, what's up yeah. mom? Yeah. Just come in to say hi. I love you. I, love I know. It. I love you too. Okay, so how did that shift to then, so did it just come naturally to shift to wanting to help others because you felt such a transmission, trans, uh, not transmission, transition? Transition. Um, you know, like being very human and transparent. I started off with uh, LSF, Civil and Survivor Foundation, now ORW Foundation. I think it was, uh, it was one part selfish on my part, like, I wanted to be around the veterans again. I wanted to feel like I was a part of the, the club, right? The camaraderie. Yeah. <laughs> the camaraderie. Because when you transition out of service, um, you've experienced it actually, and I've experienced it. And for a lot of people who haven't, you have this identity, right? So like 20 plus years of service, you have an identity. You, you're a lot of times like you're doing great things. You're, you're counted on, you're a reliable person. People call you, they're coming to you, they want you to be their mentor, whatever, whatever. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, hey, bro, you're heading out the door, like, like, go call this organization, go to this appointment, and we're not gonna bother you. It started at the bottom again, I know. It's like, who are you? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That whole self-identity goes out the door, right? That mm -hmm. self-identity that been there for two decades. Um, and as I started to slow down, I started to <laughs> I started to realize all the, the pain, physical pain I put my body through. Mm. The mental pain starts catching up to you, right? Great example. Um, you know, one of my deployments uh, from the organization that, you know, I was serving with, we lost six individuals. And uh, it's, it's uh, you know, the last couple's, yeah, the last couple's retreat I did, I had, I, at first, I had no idea why, but I was thinking about Specialist Gonzalez. Gonzo is what we called him. And he died overseas. He died in Sadr City. Um, and his only goal, the only reason he joined the military was he needed money to pay for college. He was going to be the first mm. generation out of his family to go to college. And he'll never step foot at college. And yeah. as I was telling that story, which I've told a lot, I've told that story a ton of times. I mean, I just started like, uh, this was at a couple's retreat. I just started crying and I'm, and I'm like trying to process after the large group where we're sitting with all the other couples talking. Um, and, and thank goodness for Kelly, Kelly, like saw me, she picked up the torch, then mm. jumped on me, started giving me pressure. That's a good partner right there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What I realized was, you know, my daughter now is 12, Lila's 12 and we're starting to have conversations about, well, what does she need to do to prep for college? What is she even interested in in college? What is college going to look like? And I realize now that like that, that loss of that really young soldier that worked for me, 
knowing his goal and his dream and starting to see that connection with my daughter started to make that loss, that death, that much more real for me. And it was, it was um, unseen. It was sitting unseen. It was, you didn't even realize it until isn't that so powerful Our triggers yeah. and you, cause you can't, you don't know it's going to happen until it happens. Yeah. And that unseen journey of when it's going to come out. Thank yeah. God you were in a safe space. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think, you know, we, we've said it on the show before, um, and if and those of you, if this is your first time, like go catch up on some of our podcasts, please. Right. Trauma equals trauma. Trauma is trauma. I, it, it doesn't matter if, if you've lost someone you loved, if you lost, lost a coworker, it, it doesn't matter how big or small the trauma is because what mm -hmm. Ashley just said, trauma is going to impact us all. And we're what gonna, you feel. Correct. And, and we're not going to, we're not going to necessarily know it or process it in that moment. Like for us, it was on that deployment. It was. We lost someone that night. We're dressed to go on a mission. Go by, see the angel flight, which is coffin. Everything's black lit except for the back of the bird. American flag on the coffin. Coffin goes in, ramp closes. We do a quick huddle back into our trucks. We're going into the city right now. It's your head's back in. It's go time. It's life or death for us. So you don't get time to process anything in those moments, right? You just right. You pack it, you pack it in. You're on autopilot. Right. And just keep moving. Um, however, the, the trauma, like even the, and I would say even the trauma, like if you've been around someone who has trauma in their lives, like even the trauma I've caused Kelly and my kids, they, they don't know the traumas that I've experienced or lived. They have trauma from periods of me being dark, dark cloud in the storm. Right. And you never know when that trauma comes out. Like you just said, Ashley, like it was there. It was unseen. It was in my brain. It was in my heart. My body had it. It didn't know when or why or where it was coming up at. And then all of a sudden there was a connection between this loss from 16 years ago, 17 years ago mm. to, you know, fast forward, you know, the, a month and a half ago. Right. And then boom, it hits. Right. That's so it's, it, it happens. I know it, I totally can relate and that resonates with me so much. And that's why I love that it's a journey because yeah. it's honestly, it's, it's nonstop. It's ongoing, you know, yeah. cause we don't, because you can't see it, it's going to pop up when it chooses to pop up when you decide to process it. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like how you mentioned when we were kind of getting to know you, right? Like one of the things you like to volunteer and work with is, um, suicide awareness, suicide prevention, right? In your fight, in your battles, you, you don't, you don't know when those really dark moments for you mentally, emotionally are going to pop up and start to pull you into that kind of like cave of where you start to get super depressed again or, the thoughts start to come back in you start to battle that, right? Like that's, that's another side of how it comes out. Like for me, a lot of times it came out as anger mm -hmm. um, and aggression. And for you, it came out as like, it, it seems like to me, actually, let's, let's go over to you. How, yeah. how does it feel when it hits you? When, the, when, when those things that are packed inside of you, those emotions start to come out and hit you, how does that feel for you? Well, that's what's so interesting to me because it took me a while to realize I needed to work on myself yeah. because I thought that working on myself was accomplishing things. Yeah. I thought that I could move past, you know, my past and the mistakes I made and, you know, accomplishing what I accomplished in the military and then finishing school and just keep, you know, checking off those blocks of expectations. And that right. means I'm doing fine. And I thought I was, you know, I, I thought that I was doing everything I needed to be doing until working in the veteran services field. And it honestly took me a good six years, uh, maybe even longer, even after I came through and joined the foundation of being like, you know what? I'm not, I'm, I'm preaching this, right? I'm, I'm talking the talk, but am I walking the walk? 
You know, yeah. do I do I understand it? Do I get it? Because I'm feeling these same feelings. I'm having these, you know, same bursts of anger or deep, you know, two weeks of just despair, you know, feeling down and out. Am I having that? Yes. But I never, it, it took me a, a very pivotal moment in my recovery life uh, of being a part of this um, program through the VA called it here in Washington. In, it's in Washington and Vancouver, but it's through the Portland VA and it's called the Compassionate Warrior Training Program. And it was created by a VA mental health chaplain um, who's ordained in Buddhism so really like Eastern medicine, really soul centric stuff. And I was in this program as a community member, as a person, you know, part of Operation Red Wings Foundation, part of a veteran service nonprofit, helping to integrate the veterans into, you know, the civilian world. And so I went into it as a community member, as an advocate. But then I started realizing I'm feeling a lot of these same things. I'm triggered by, you know, granted our specific traumatic experiences could be different than, you know, what we're hearing th from our peers, but those feelings, those emotions, those, I, I feel those and I'm not processing them. I thought I was, I thought I was by checking off those blocks of accomplishment and being on autopilot, but I wasn't doing the work. I was totally talking the talk and not walking the walk. And it took me, it clicked for me being a part of this program. And I was like, I need to do the processing work. And then that was a rough six months, let me tell you. And I feel like that it was such a big learning curve for me that processing stuff is not a happy thing because I'm a pretty right. happy, you know, outgoing person. And so it takes a lot for me to sit and sit in my grief, sit in my shame, sit in my guilt and feel those feelings. And I didn't see it. I thought that I, you know, I thought that I was doing fine. And so that was a rough six months. And then, but once you do the work and then I, it, it really empowered me that then I did the work and I wasn't feeling, a, you know, certain ways and I could process things. I, I love how you said when you shared that story of what your daughter said that you used to cry and like, and now you don't because you've processed it, you know, you put in the work and I have a couple of things like that where, you know, of things I talk about and I cry and now I don't cry anymore because it's not sitting in the pit of your heart and your soul hurting right. you anymore. Right. You brought it out to the forefront. You can see it. You can name it. You can touch it. You can validate it. And it happened. And that's okay. And we're going to learn and grow from it and make us better yeah. for it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the experience is still there. The memory is still there. We've been able to go through different modalities, process the emotions. And so the we've kind of moved the motions to where we've been able to, because we've done all that work. Right. Mm -hmm. So this, the second part to answer your question, and then I got a fun question for you is, uh, so one part I got into being a team leader, ORW foundation selfishly. One part I got in, um, because my wife was like, we used to joke, she'd be like, okay, so when are you going to deploy again? <laughs> to give her and the kids a break for me. Right. right. So I could leave the house and they could just have almost like a, a, like a sense of normal, right. A normal life, because that's part of that. Like I always joke, right. It's that, it's that, um, stranger in your own house feeling when you wake up and you're, you no longer have to go put on the uniform. You no longer have to go to work. You're not going to training or deploying. You grab your cup of coffee and you watch, you watch this beautiful thing happen where all of a sudden like the house wakes up right there is the chaos of the morning routine no one needs you and then all of a sudden the morning routine is done and the house is empty and quiet again and you're still sitting there with your cup of coffee taking a look around like i they don't need me so, uh, so that funny joke of like, Hey, when are you deploying again from Kelly turned into, Hey, when's your next retreat? Because I would leave, you know, five, six days to go team leader retreat, come back. Usually like that first day or two, I was just mentally, emotionally done. I had zero. So I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything and, and no one in the house minded, like no one cared. 
Um, and then I, then I would go back to trying to um, inject myself into, okay, family, like I'm here. What's my role? What, what, what part of this am I going to be taking on? Right. Um, so it really like, yeah, it was one part, like give us some space. It was one part, get me out of the house. Um, so that, you know, that kind of that routine, that sense of normal could still occur. Right. And then from, from there, right. Um, if we think back to like, our last time we kind of had conversations with each other, we, we, we briefly touched on like, well, what is it going to look like when we pass away? Right. What is that tombstone going to say, which brought in that question that came from my mentor, Mike of, well, you know, what's your legacy going to be, right? What, it, what is your legacy going to be? So I started, I never really like processed into that one, right? Like I was never like super diving into like, what is my legacy going to be? Honestly, what I would tell you now, having gone through a lot of different modalities and stuff like that, like uh, my kids are my legacy. So knowing now, having identified now that I don't want to be the dark cloud in the storm and that I don't want to pass my burdens off to my kids, my legacy is my kids, which Ooh. is why I don't, I don't, I don't care. I love what my, that. Thank you. I don't care what my tombstone says. Um, because my kids, my kids and my grandkids are going to be my legacy. They're gonna, they're going to say whatever about me when I'm, when I'm gone, right? Hopefully, hopefully it results in good things. Um, <laughs> and so that's like, if you ask me, like, I don't want my legacy to be that I was like two time president of the United States of America. I want my legacy to be healthy and happy kids who have healthy and happy grandkids mm -hmm. and that everyone wanted to spend, uh, you know, quality time with dad or grandpa and, and mom or grandma. Right. Um, and so now, so, so my fun question is, cause I'm kind of curious and I, I'm happy to share some of mine too. What are some of the like non-traditional, cause you just talked about one working with someone who brought in like Western culture, Buddhist things to the mental health journey. What are some of the non-traditional things that you've tried or experienced in your mental health journey? Okay, one of my favorite things that was honestly the so many things in the six month compassionate warrior program was so powerful, which by the way, once the chaplain, she knew I was a veteran, but once I started sharing and processing more, she was like, you're yeah. no longer in this as a community member. You're in this as a veteran and I'm charting your notes. Nice. <laughs> and it helped me get an increase. So, hey, that's all. Nice. <laughs> uh, but, um, my favorite thing Bonus. that we did in this program was this ex this uh, exercise where we picked two songs. One was a song of grief and one was a song of praise. So a song that, you know, those songs that get you yeah. down oh, yeah. and you're like crying to it yeah. and singing along and yeah. just in the depths of despair, just feeling it. <laughs> And then you have those songs that pump you up and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Woohoo. And it, you're feeling awesome. So you pick these two songs and you're not sharing these two songs, but the extra, so you, the week before she told us, okay, pick these songs. And, um, and then the next week we came in for our exercise and she told us you have to make, don't make sure to download them. And she, we would be on mute, but she would kind of, um, tell us there was a specific time that you would play first you would play the grief song for one minute and then you would play the praise song for one minute and then you would go back to the grief song for two minutes and then the back to the praise song for two minutes and you made it all the way up to three minutes and then went down okay so it was the super powerful where you had to feel your feelings for both, you had to tear yourself down for one minute and then pump you back up for one minute and then go back and forth all the way through that time. And it yeah. was it was so powerful because it sounds like I can only imagine if there was like a video of all of us in our homes jamming out to our songs. You're like crying, but then you're like pumped up and then you're like crying and then you're pumped up. And it was so powerful that. because you got to the pumped up part pumped you up out of your grief yeah you know like things are gonna be okay and those the, the it was just that was my favorite exercise nice i love it mm -hmm. i love it 
so a couple of mine. I talked about AlphaStim because AlphaStim was one of those things when I was going through ORW Foundation, I was introduced to it. It was a really cool tool. I ended up getting it prescribed to me, you know, trying to find my way off traditional medicines to alternative mm -hmm. medicines um, to help with my anxiety and to help with like my sleep and stuff. Also partially too, to help me kind of like bring down my volume of drinking, right? Um, yeah, because I had a green, green brain, right? So I had, I had learned that like, you're not an alcoholic, uh, you're just like a normal human if you have like, you know, one to two drinks per day, right? So my brain, I was like, well, cool, I'll just get two beers. And then I figured out I could get like two, like 16 ounce beers that were like, I don't know, 11 to 13% alcohol by volume. And that did the trick. And <laughs> and my brain, I, I was rationalizing it as, well, I'm still in the two drink window. Mm. So we're good, we're fine. We're good right? at rationalizing our, our crazy. Oh my gosh, yeah, we are. And um, so we I'll think, it, you know what? That's interesting. Yeah. We're, we think that's that part's unseen, but everyone yeah. else can see it. Oh, for sure. For sure. Which my family didn't mind because typically that would result in me just like going to sleep on the couch and then I would eventually wake up and then find my way to bed. Um, so, uh, so I talked about, I've talked about Alpha STEM before. I've dogs in the window. So I've talked about Finn, my service dog who does distraction and pressure huge, especially for my sleeping. Um, one of, one of the fun ones that I've tried, you know, kind of talking about like your, your interesting journeys is, um, have you ever been through a, a cryo chamber? No, yeah. that, that and the float don't, yeah. didn't you say you do the float too? I, I, I do, I do a cryo chamber. I do, it's a red light sauna. And then mm -hmm. the other one is is kind of like a tanning bed, except it's different colored light waves, which is interesting because there are studies on like how light can affect mood, right? So the one I do is colored for like uh, like memory and um, your brain health and stuff like that, right? Um, so the freeze chamber, I go in normally about three and a half minutes, three minutes, three and a half minutes. And it's, it's literally the goal is how low you can handle letting your body temperature drop. And I think my biggest drop to date was like 38 degrees. Uh, yeah, which doesn't sound like a lot. But for how long? Uh, you're in there. I'm in there usually for about three to three and a half minutes. Oh, that one. Okay. Yeah, you get frozen. So I'll go in. They'll scan me. They got this like thermal gun thing. They're like, hey, today you're like, whatever, 92, 93, something like that. And I'll come out and they'll be like, hey, today you're like in the 50s, right? So my biggest drop, I went in one day, I was at like, I think it was right at like 90, 91 degrees and I dropped 38 degrees and I was, I was cold, man, I was cold, but mentally, emotionally, just like, and, and you get to listen to a song, right? Um, so mentally, emotionally, just listening to the song I was listening to that day, like, I still felt warm. And I know that sounds like, whoa. I still felt warm, though, coming out of there. It wasn't until after I had been out of that chamber for a couple of minutes, I put on a hoodie because I started to feel the cold. Like, the cold started crashing in because the mental stuff that I had been kind of, like, uh, sending my brain through was keeping uh -huh. me very warm, like, mentally, emotionally, even physically in my brain. I was still very warm. And then as I stepped back out, my brain was calming down. And as my brain calmed down, my body was like, hey, by the way, you're at like 52 degrees right now. And so then my body started to get cold. The sauna is kind of cool because infrared sauna, like it heats you inside out. So oh. it feels very different than if you go to like a traditional like water sauna. Um, and oftentimes, like I can listen to music in there. I'm, I'm allowed to like play my own music. And they have like a little Bluetooth speaker or whatever. A lot of times, though, I'll just kind of like almost use it as like meditation time, right? Um, which is kind of one of those, you know, sort of Western culture things. Yeah, exactly. That's right, buddy. Um, and so that one's neat because I don't ever feel like I'm starting to get like super hot until I'd say like the last, I'm usually in there for about 30 minutes. So like the last five minutes. And then for me in those last five minutes, I go from meditation to saying like, you're fine, you're okay. Like practicing a lot of those skills that we got taught through traditional therapies 
of telling my mind and body, like, don't panic, don't freak out. Like everything's okay. Like, like we can do this, right? Like that kind of like build myself up mental mantra, right? I love that. Yeah. I love that reminds me of the hot. I have done the hot and cold pools. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I obsessed with those. Okay. So okay. hard at first, but then it's so magical. And it's to end with the cold pool. You have to end nice. with the cold pool and let your body heat you back up. It sounds yeah. like what. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. So it's that side of it, that side of the right, the journey has been really cool. And I think really cool experiences for you as well. Um, just starting to pull in these other things that aren't just medicine. Mm-hmm. Because again, if, if one of our listeners it, it hasn't necessarily been through like a traumatic event, right? Like where we snapshot something like combat or any of those things, right? Um, even 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 uh, sexual trauma, right? Where you have a snapshot memory, maybe not at first, but as you work, like you have to, you eventually process through a lot of that stuff. There's still trauma in your life, right? Whether it's you know unexpected breakup from a boyfriend or husband or wife or girlfriend or randomly getting fired from a job or all, all those things can be very traumatic, depending on where you're at in your life and how it impacts your life. There's still all these different modalities to get your mind and your body, almost what I like to say is like, get your mind and body starting to come into harmony with each other, right? Yes, and because it matters what the symptoms that we're feeling. Yeah. Some other cool exercises I've learned, you know, on my own wellness journey is when you are feeling that pit, you know, in your chest, if you're having like a panic attack or something, name it. Like, okay, go over what am I, what am I feeling? Like the phys- physiological symptoms, are my hands sweaty? Are my hands clenching in a fist? Am I cool. tensed up? And like tense and like call it out so that you can recognize it and then think about what you're thinking and and then how can you nurture that thought and validate yeah. it? Yeah. And it's so powerful because it's not, sometimes we don't even know yeah. what's wrong. We just know we're sad. We know we can't get out of bed. We're no, we know we're angry, but we don't know why. Exactly. You know, so it's so powerful to just work on those symptoms. So, so I'm going to lead us into this next one uh, and then pass it off to you. So hardest holiday of the year to experience. And for me, it's very clear. It's very, uh, I go through it every year. And I would say this past year was my best I've ever done dealing with it. Right. And for me, it's Thanksgiving. So mm-hmm. I identify a lot of memories with my mom with cooking and Thanksgiving is a very cooking centric holiday. Oh yeah. And so for years and years and years, I would either do a lot of what you said, where I would just try to project like uber happy. Like I'm just going to cook. I'm just going to help. Like I'm going to do all these things and I'm just going to like basically get through it. Right. I'm just going to get through this holiday. I'm not necessarily going to feel it. I'm not going to experience it what's inside. I'm not going to let it out. Um, maybe, yeah, a couple of years ago, two years ago. Yeah. Maybe two years ago, I identified, uh, to Kelly. I finally was in a place where I got identified to Kelly and I was sitting actually behind my computer at my last house and she came in and I'm like, tears are just pouring down my eyes. And she's like, what's wrong? Like, what's the matter? Right? Like typical, typical loved one response, right? Like, Like, what's going on? How can I help? Can we problem solve? And I look at her, I'm like, no. I'm like, we cannot. I'm like, this pain I'm feeling right now is my pain. Mm. I need permission and space to be human. And I just need to be sad because my mom's not here. My mom has never met, nor will she ever meet uh, my kids because she's not alive. And I literally, I... I just needed that moment, that space, that time. You couldn't fix it. There was no fix. There's no fixing. So she, mm-hmm. so she looks at me and she goes, okay, well, can I at least just like sit with you for a little bit? And I was like, that's cool. I was like, you can sit with me for a little bit. Once I'm kind of at that threshold though, like, I love you. I'm going to ask you to leave. Right. And she did. She sat with me. Uh, I don't even remember how long my brain's going to guess it wrong anyways. And then at a certain point I was like, Hey, okay. I just like, I just need my space. I need my time. Right. Um, this past year, 
going into Thanksgiving, probably the Saturday or Sunday before. So a good distance out, I, I could already start to feel it. Like I already knew it. And I looked at her and I said, um, I said, I don't know why I said, but going into this Thanksgiving, like, like as of today, like I'm already there. Like th this one is already super hard on me. Again, I have no idea why, um, you know, I know there's all like all that stuff, like we said, all that unseen stuff, right? The PTSD, the TBIs, the depression, like all those things are stuffed in here. Plus I don't have mom. We're going into the holiday that I most associate with her with cooking and everything. And I'm already there. I'm already sad. I'm already feeling not good because the, I'll, I'll real quick and then I'll jump over to you. The first Thanksgiving after my mom passed, I was a specialist actually sitting in the chow hall uh, near the JFK school, John F. Kennedy school. And, um, you know, it, it's like a big deal in the military for those of you who have never served. And for those of you who served, you, you know what I'm talking about, like all these senior enlisted and senior officers and senior warrant officers, they come into the chow hall and they serve you this big, fancy meal cooking staff goes all out. They try to make it like this really cool, really special deal. And I, uh, I go in and I get my meal and I sit down and I'm at a table with one other dude. And the dude didn't even talk to me because I remember my snapshot memory of it is I was sitting at this table, not eating with tears, just, just streaming down my eyes. Mm. I, I couldn't talk. I didn't look around. I didn't acknowledge anyone. And I would tell everyone listening to this podcast that that was probably the loneliest Thanksgiving I've ever had in my life. Mm. Like, like period, like not the Thanksgivings where my mom was still alive and I was, you know, either deployed or away separated from her because the military had me somewhere training or whatever that very first Thanksgiving. And I couldn't verbalize it. I couldn't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you what, why I was sitting in this chow hall that was packed with lots of noise. I don't even remember hearing the noise. I just remember mm. sitting there staring at my tray and crying, right? You didn't Fast see it. Nope. Fast forward to this very last Thanksgiving. I started feeling it and recognizing it kind of like you were saying it, right? Like, like start to feel it, start to gain awareness, start to recognize it, start to name it. And I was able to name it to Kelly. So Kelly and the kids had awareness. Mm. So this, honestly, this past Thanksgiving was probably the best Thanksgiving experience I've had. Um, since my mom's passing. So with that being said, what is the hardest holiday of the year for you with all of your kind of unseen elements? Okay, so I don't know how this is going to sound, but it's just my feeling about it. Yeah. Um, I have a hard time uh, for Veterans Day because okay. my favorite time that I really enjoyed Veterans Day was um, on my husband and I's five-year anniversary. We took the week off and took a cruise, okay. and it was awesome. And we nice. just got to and, – and mainly just because we just got to enjoy, you know, all the hullabaloo around Veterans Day for veterans. Yeah. You know, everyone loves veterans on Veterans Day. And, yeah. and the hard part that I have with it is because as a veteran who works in the veteran services field, our job doesn't stop all year long. And it's so busy and there's so much attention towards veterans on Veterans Day, which is awesome. But I have a hard time with it because so many people want to help. And I'm like, where are you at all year long? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so yeah. I kind of, I loved the year I got to take it off because I wasn't in the mix. I wasn't in the, I didn't get a chance to feel however I felt about you know, the missing people during the rest of the year. Yeah. I just got to experience it. And like the crews put on a little veterans day, you know, ceremony. And it was just cool. Like to just nice. be a veteran on veterans day and feel yeah. that vibe instead yeah. of feeling all the, we got to do this and the 12 ceremonies and the, yeah. all the planning and prepping. Sometimes I just want to enjoy it. You yeah. know, I want to go out and get my free dinner and, <laughs> And, you know, be grateful for the support of the community. And yeah. I don't get to feel that when I'm working it. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And and the big one I hear you saying without you saying it, and that I, I feel is in that moment, that cruise, right? It's really that, 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm not on autopilot. I get to... And it's not the whole, you know, thank me for my service thing and I should get all this. It's not about that. It's just I don't get to... The purpose of Veterans Day is honoring veterans. And when you work in the field, it's hard to find that, you know, reconciliation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that's it for me because I don't... Yeah, because I I loved when I got to just be like, yeah, cool. Yeah. It was just, uh, it was a very human moment, I think, for you, mm-hmm. right? Just that big, like, that kind of like that breath and like, oh, yeah, 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 this is me too. Kind of like how you were saying earlier, mm-hmm. um, where you realized going into that that program that you did, um, you, you were kind of like going through the steps, the motions, however, you weren't actually processing. You were really just still like, in in the mode of like almost execution like on autopilot right like anyone who's ever kind of like driven home and then you get home and you're like i have no idea how i got home well you got home and you were just kind of like in that zone right yeah and i like to i love you know and i'm sure you can relate to this working in the veteran service world you do see the community really wanting to support a lot of times and I don't like that I get judgmental during Veterans Day because, you know, I don't I don't like that. I'm like, oh, where are you the rest of the year? And so right. I like to just give the community the support that they need um, during the Veterans Day period to say, you know, thank you for doing this. Thank you for supporting the veteran community because the veteran community does really need it. Um, yeah. as a society and uh, it's reciprocal, right? Because yeah. the veteran community is the veteran community because of society and the community. Yes. Uh, so it's just, uh, yeah, it's powerful, but I love taking yeah. it off. I just, I need to do that more often and not, I'm such a doer. So I'm like, yeah. what do you need? What do you need help with? You need flags. You need a speaker. You need this, but no, I just need yeah. to take it off and let the community do what they do. I love it. So um, one of the one of the early on retreats Kelly got to go to, uh, not with the ORW Foundation. However, she you know she's she's been through the spouses retreat with the ORW Foundation. Loved it, had a blast. Has team led that a couple times. Uh, so one of the early retreats she went through because she used to think of it as something she didn't need. She would call it getting therapized. Uh. Um, because, yeah, <laughs> because in her mind she didn't have any trauma, right? Like. Like, you know, her husband just went away for, honestly, I was gone for pretty much almost the entirety of 15 months, uh, deployment, training, train up, probably longer than that, honestly. Um, and you think about that, like, that's traumatic. Like, all of a sudden, you go from being married to a single mom, uh, you know, and at one point when I went to Afghanistan, it was, she was a single mom with a toddler. I think Lila was just, had just crested over a year and she was pregnant with Grant. Wow. That's pretty traumatic, right? Um, and so, she was able to do that all with you gone. Talk yes. about the invisible person in the household, right? And then you come home and you're like, oh, wait, you don't need my help. You just yeah. did this for a whole year. That's right. Where that's do we right. fit in here? And honestly, that's, it's like, it's like, okay, what are one of the, what are, what are some of the things I love about Kelly? I love her strength. I love her dedication or loyalty. Like I love all those things about her. And at the same time, like you get home and those are like you said on veterans day, it's almost like those are the things I started to resent. So Kelly very early on, uh, when she used to laugh and say like, I don't have any trauma in my life and I don't need to go get therapized. Um, we, we had the good fortune to send her through a program that, uh, used to be under the Brene Brown foundation. So any of you who don't know who Ber- Brene Brown, is look her up. She does a lot with um, shame, fear, guilt, vulnerability, all those things, right? Was it daring to lead? uh, It was, um, no, it was, it was by the Daring Way Foundation. Um, I think, I think it was just called like the Daring Way, I think. Mm. Um, Anyway, so she got to go to the program through a retreat hosted by JSOC, right? Mm-hmm. And it was interesting how they did the program. Uh, sorry, JSOC, Joint Special Operations Command. They did the program uh, out at uh, Fort Bragg, North Carolina. So now Camp Liberty. It was interesting, though, because they mixed it. So they had spouses. Ooh. And they they had people who had just come back from missions, from deployments. Um, she had a, um, an individual in there who had just been operational. 
and was, you know, was kind of like talking through this story of having just lost a teammate and having to get them extracted, even though they had passed away, get them on the helicopter, get them out. So Kelly goes to this retreat and comes back from this retreat. And one of the cool things she shared with me that I want to share with you is this idea of permission slips. And it's real simple. It's a sticky note or an index card or a note like in your journal or daily planner or whatever. And you start out the phrase and all you write is I have permission to, and whatever you need to give yourself permission for that day, right? So like me going into Thanksgiving, like I have permission to feel sad and miss my mom. Right. Or like you, right? Like I have permission to just be a veteran and not plan slash do events this year, right? Yeah. Whatever you need to give yourself permission for, you just write out. Either, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Permission slips. Yeah. Kelly has carried that one forward for a long time. It has absolutely just been gold for her um, because she, a lot like you, right? Um, I, I giggle because, you know, Kelly has like her checklist and all her things she has to get done. And, you know, if, if, if someone's like not feeling good or whatever, uh, her, her emotion that kicks in, one of the emotions she's processed a lot is guilt. Mm -hmm. She takes ownership, even though like, she's not responsible for me feeling, you know, sad or having no energy, depressed, whatever. She still wants to take ownership of that. And she still, she still feels guilty over it. So, um, so permission slips have been gold for her in helping, uh, a way to handle and deal with a lot of like her guilt and stuff. So I think that's kind of one of those cool, like not medicine ways to kind of handle some of those like unseen emotions, you know, processing through these things, um, a lot like kind of like you're talking about. And I, and I hope, I hope you're able to use it. I hope, I hope it helps. I hope it makes it in the kit bag. I hope so too. That's a good one. It's been a great episode. Guys, I enjoyed it. I, I have enjoyed, enjoyed it. it. It's this has been a really cool journey getting to know you in a fun way and then getting to know our little tips and tricks on our unseen journeys and Yeah. And the, and Layla was really involved this episode. She yeah. she loves the unseen stuff. She's like here for us. Yeah, she's like I got you, mom. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Well, on behalf of Ashley and myself, thank you all for joining us for the Unseen Podcast. If you haven't done so already, reach down there, hit the like and subscribe button. Uh, reach back if you want to get caught up on some episodes. Join us every week. We'll be coming at you with different uh, mental health experts and just a variety of fun people talking about all those unseen elements that we kind of explored with Ashley and myself today. Really those things that all of us carry around because we're all human. Um, so thanks for joining us today. Yes, thank you. We appreciate you tuning in to The Unseen Journey. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. If you're a veteran or a supporter of veterans, please think about contributing to ORWF at orwfoundation.org to help veterans in their transition. We also extend an invitation to veterans to explore our retreat opportunities where they can connect with peers and embark on a healing journey. For additional resources, visit our website at orwfoundation.org. Our heartfelt thanks to Operation Red Wings Foundation for making this podcast possible. Together, we can make the unseen journey a little easier for our veterans. Until next time, take care.